Welcome to the Your Life Rocks podcast, where we believe life balance is possible. Yes, even for you. This show is designed to help working moms focus on the things that matter most in life and helping you balance all that life has for you with practical tips from one working mom to another. My name is Jenny Stemmerman, and I am so glad that you're here to hang out with me today because today we are starting into a new topic. We just finished a great series all about taking care of your home, and I highly encourage if you did not catch any of those episodes that you go back and you have a listen because we're talking about things like the habits that we have that make the mess. <laughs> we're talking about the intention and really deciding like what does having a nice house mean for you, not for someone else, but for you. And also like decluttering and how do you actually do that when you're trying to hold down a full-time job and do all of the other things. So I hope you go back and listen to some of those episodes that we just finished. But today we are going to be talking about your career. Now, this career episode is a little bit different than some things that we've done in the past. So when we've talked about career in the past, we've talked about leadership or how to share your faith or things that will help you be better in your career. But today, we're really talking about how to make your career better for you. So it's a little bit of a reversal, and I'm so excited for you guys to get the information from our special guest. But before we go into all of that greatness, I want to share with you that this episode is sponsored by the Your Life Rocks app. It is finally out. It is on Apple in iTunes. It is on Android in Google Play Store. And I hope that you go and you download it. And if you love it, if you love this podcast, I hope that you would rate the app so more people can find it, share it with your friends. It really is designed to help you, one, define what balance is for you, but then also to create it in your life. You'll find all of the podcasts in there, all of the planning tools, and if you upgrade to Life Balance Membership, you'll have all of the courses to help you achieve more balance in your life. Now, our guest today is Katherine Solman, and she's a career coach, a speaker, and the author of a new book that just came out called Ambition Redefined, Why the Corner Office Doesn't Work for Every Woman and What to Do Instead. Now, a little bit more about Catherine. She's a recognized leader in helping women navigate the many stages of work and life. And through her blog and her coaching firm, Nine Lives for Women, she is on one of the few voices strongly encouraging women to always work. And she makes a great case for why she's so passionate about this during our interview. And in fact, she's spoken about this topic on things like the Today Show, NPR, the Wall Street Journal, New York Times, Money, CNBC, and now Your Life Rocks. Now, personally for me, when I was first contacted about her and learned about what she's doing and learned about her book, I knew I needed to have her here on the show because in our community, we've talked a lot about, you know, those of you that are out on maternity leave and how to negotiate coming back into work and having a little bit more flex time or maybe taking a step back in your career or taking a step forward in your career, but in a different way. Now, I want to be clear. When we are talking about a more flexible way of working, we are not talking about putting your career on the back burner. Not at all. But it's really just the how you can think outside the box to excel in your career while still excelling at home. And not to say you can't work traditionally and do that because you know, I totally believe that with God, everything is possible. But if there are options out there to make it easier for you, to make it better for you, to make it less stressful for you, why wouldn't you do it? So I know you're gonna love my interview with Catherine. So let's get right into it. 
Catherine, welcome to the Your Life Rocks podcast. I am beyond excited to chat with you today. Oh, I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for having me. This is going to be a great conversation. Now, before we get into all of the great wisdom that you have brought to share with us about how we can really focus in on our careers, tell us first a little bit more about who you are. Well, I am a career coach. I have been working with women, current and professional women, for the past 15 years, helping them navigate various stages of work and life. And I am an author of a book called Ambition Defined, which just came out last week. And Congratulations. That's exciting. Yes. And I also am a speaker and I, I get around and share my wisdom of women in work with various groups and try to spread the gospel. Women should always work in a flexible way. I love this. And I love your message too of working in a flexible way. And I think a big part of that is really knowing what balance means for you and what you really want from life. So my question for you right off the bat, of course, we're always talking about balance on this show. What does life balance look like for you? And what do, how do you define that for yourself? I define life balance as the ability to nurture and cultivate all generations of my family alongside with my long-term financial security. And you know, obviously, families always come first, but you really need to be thinking about financial security as a form of caregiving. Oh, I like that. I like that. You know, I think that that's something that oftentimes we don't look at it through that lens of financial security and, and our ability to be able to provide in a financial way by working. So tell me a little bit more about why that's such an important thing, especially for women. Well, you know, there's still a lot of debate in certain circles about whether women should work or stay home or if you can have it all or if you can have it all but the same time, you know, all these kinds of things. But yes. financial security piece and, and the fact that work is a means to paycheck, which is a means to being able to save and invest, then get long-term financial security for a retirement could last 30 years or more, and all of life never knows. I mean, that's the piece people don't talk about. That's the very practical piece. That's the, the emotional piece or the mental piece. That's the very practical piece. And so if I am talking to women who say, you know, I just feel that I need to be home with my children. And there still are, you know, many women who feel, you know, that they really need to be focused on children 24 seven. And I mean, I'm a mother of two daughters and I love being a mother. I do the best for my children. But if you are not committing to the security of your family, God forbid you run out of money late in life, it's those very same children that you feel that you need to be with for seven going to burden if you're in that situation. Mm, that's a very interesting perspective of so many times that 
we feel guilty for working because we're not there to take care of our kids, where in fact, it is in fact that we are taking care of our kids. It just might not necessarily be in the here and now, but really, really looking at it from a long lens, which I think is an interesting perspective. And I don't know if I've ever really heard anyone come at that whole working mom situation, the working mom scenario with that kind of a lens. So that's very, very interesting that you brought that up. Yeah. I mean, and the other thing too, is that look at it from another similar angle, our parents are living longer than they ever thought they would. And as a result of that, even parents who were at one time affluent could run out of money because once they reached the point where they need round-the-clock care or 12 hours of care a day, um, it's very expensive, you know, could be an average of, you know, $25 around the country. Once you start adding that up, and if they don't have cancer or some debilitating illness, if they're just having trouble walking, let's say, that situation could go on for many years. And if you're married, it could involve not just your own parents, but it could involve your in-laws. And so that's another reason for women to be in the workforce. Because I, I talk about caregiving in the context of not only children, but our second caregiving job is for aging parents, up to four aging parents if we're married. And so we're all facing that up to four aging parents could have you know, great longevity, but limited mobility or things that don't kill them but where they you know, need lots of help, and it's going to be a huge financial drain. And so while we're trying to shore up our own retirements, we may, in fact, also be faced with up to four more people financial help. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it is kind of astounding to me how many people underestimate how much money you need to have for retirement. And I know just even for myself, me and my husband, you know, looking at our parents, my parents are still in the workforce. His parents have retired, but I think that they underestimated as well. And, and so we often look at that, you know, and, and how we're going to be able to help support them as they continue to age and more needs start to come up for them. So I think that this whole perspective is so very interesting. And I know that there is kind of this tug of war, even for moms like me. I love to work. I've never been a mom that's, that's been a stay-at-home mom, like it's always, I've just felt like it's always my calling to be serving in the workforce in some way, to use my gifts in that way. That's where I have a natural pull to, to be and to spend my time. But I, you know, it is hard sometimes to try to balance that and kids and all of the other things that come into play. And, and I know that you are like the queen of flexible work. And I think that so many times we can forget that there are other options out there. Right. When we think about working, sometimes we just think about like that nine to five commuting into the office, sometimes even working 60 hours a week or 70 hours a week as we start to climb up that corporate ladder. But you really kind of look at it through a different lens. So talk to me a little bit about what flexible work is and, and what might be available out there that people just are not aware of. Yeah, this is a very important point and, and a big reason why I wrote my book. The problem is that flexibility is not necessarily hugely visible at every company. So if you're currently working, 
and there isn't a chapter in your employee handbook that talks about the company's flexibility policies, it can seem like flexibility doesn't exist at your company. Similarly, if you're out of the workforce, you've been out of the workforce for a while and you're thinking about back in, you may not be aware of all the, all the options and may be afraid of getting back into the corporate grind that you chose to leave behind. So there are actually six different kinds of flexibility if you want to get a paycheck from an employer. People don't realize that a full-time job can be flexible. It could be flexible in terms of the way your hours are structured, or it could be flexible in your workplace. You could work from home part of the time and work in the office part of the time. Then there is a part-time job. And women think that part-time means being a job at a local retail store mm-hmm. uh, in a doctor's office. They don't realize that there are so many professional part-time jobs now. With many of these jobs, you can also get full employee benefits. If you work at least 30 hours for a company that has the employees or more. So often women say, you know, I'd I'd like to work fewer hours, but I don't want to give up my benefits. And so if you're just giving up 10 hours, you might be able to make that work. The other form of flexible work is is telecommuting or, you know, working outside of your office more freely at home. But also now there are so many shared workspaces that are cropping up everywhere. And you may choose to, you know, work in a shared workspace close to home and eliminate a big commute. There are job shares. Job shares are, they're usually not as common as other forms of flexibility because they're a little complicated to set up, but it's definitely a viable form of flexibility. There's a a wonderful company called Work Muse, thing but help set up job shares. That's a great option. There is the option of a compressed work week. If you usually work 40 hours, that could work very well. You could say, and working five, eight-hour days, I'll work for 10 hours and then have a day off. And then there are two more independent options while still getting paycheck from an employer. Being a freelancer, and working on perhaps shorter projects. If you're deciding that you'd like to start your own marketing practice, for example, and going into various companies and lending your expertise, usually on larger and longer initiatives. So those are the six ways that you could work in a flexible way and get money from an employer. And then there are endless options of having your own business and being an entrepreneur. And I think what's amazing about this is that it is becoming more and more common, I think, for companies to be open to having more flexible working type situations. But I often wonder, like, how do you transition to that? How do you even find those? I mean, for me, myself, I sometimes I just think I'm very fortunate 
But then sometimes I think, well, I, but I've also paid my dues. <laughs> so my working situation is I do get to work from home. I travel probably about once a month, maybe sometimes every other month, but usually lately it's been once a month. Our corporate headquarters are down in LA. I live in Oregon. So I travel occasionally to our corporate office, but I do work from home. And I was able to negotiate my hours being on East Coast time. My boss actually works from home in Georgia. So I was able to coordinate my schedule to be along the lines of her schedule. So I actually start work at 6 a.m., but then I'm done by 3 p.m. when my kids are out of school. So yeah, absolutely. And, And oftentimes I wonder like, gosh, how did I get so lucky? But I've also been doing what I do for 12 years and have built up a reputation and have been able to negotiate this kind of a, a working schedule and a working environment. But what is typical for women? How do they find positions like this? Is it something that you just kind of have to wait for that right opportunity and, and cross your fingers and hope for luck? Or is there more to it than that? Let's start with if you're in a, you know, you're in your current position and you're working full time in a, in a traditional structure. So how do you ask for flexibility? That's really, that's really what it boils down to. And women, hundreds and hundreds of women have told me over the last 15 years that left their jobs and left the workforce because flexibility was not possible at their company. And when I dig deeper, I find out that they reached that conclusion because all they did was lob a simple ask. So they might be in a meeting with their boss and at the end of the meeting, they might say, hey, you know, I've been thinking, would you mind if I work home a couple of days a week? And that's sort of the sum total of the ask. And can't really approach flexibility uh, that simply if it's not in the company handbook, if it's not, you know, a, a policy. And so you really need to make a professional pitch for flexibility and in the same way that you would pitch a client with the same care and the same thought and make it a written proposal that your boss can quietly read and, and consider. And then you have to make sure that you are you know, hitting all the, the points that are going to make your boss feel that nothing is going to fall through the cracks. So the first thing is to be very specific about flexible the type of flexible work that you want. So I just went through all the, the different kinds of flexibility. You don't want to say, I just want to work in a more flexible way because that could mean a million things. And then you're putting the onus on your boss to figure something out. Instead, figure out what you think is optimal for you and see if you can make it work with your employer. And you have to think about all things like saying before, you know, how it looks your benefits, how it will affect your career advancement if you, you know, went to part-time. You've got to think about how are you going to communicate with your team or manage, continue to manage people if you're not on site all the time. I mean, what tools are you going to use for collaboration or for meetings? You want to think about what are the objections that your boss is going to have. They're going to say things like, well, what if there's a, an emergency and it's, it's a day that you're off or you're, you're supposed to be working from home and, and we need all hands on deck. You want to make sure that you are 
showing that you're going to be flexible about flexibility and that you're going to be able to in at times when when there are situations and you know you have to monitor that over time and make sure that you know an employer is not taking advantage of you but you know and there's the where the work will get done is going to be are you pitching 100% telecommuting or are you pitching a couple of days at home what's the home office setup that you have will equipment need to be or software need to be replicated in the home office is that something that your employer would provide or be willing to pick up you talk about ways that the flexibility arrangement could benefit your employer so for example if you shift your hours could it help your employer service clients who are in different time zones kind of like what you were talking about or if you cut out a lengthy commute two or three days a week and you reinvested that time into like back burner projects that would be a benefit to your employer what would you be able to do better and faster because you're not you don't have the distractions of the office you know so those you want to and you also want to create checks and balances you want to be sure that this is going to work for you it's going to work for your employer and that there's there are open communication channels and defined check-in points that everybody can make sure that it's it's truly working for everyone and it's really just a matter of all of this is giving employers a comfort level that work is still going to be done it's going to be done on time it's going to be high quality and nothing's going to fall through the cracks i love it so it's almost like you're putting together a proposal like a like you're really selling the idea. So you really have to think through the benefits of what it's going to be for both your, for your boss and for the company, but then also being very proactive to, to kind of think through all of the different issues that might rise up and how you're going to handle that. So you're really helping them to rest assured. And I love too, that you talked about knowing what, what you want for flexibility. And, you know, I think it's interesting because sometimes, you know, we always say the grass is greener on the other side you know, and it sounds great working from home, you know, and not having to commute in. But it also, I think, is something for people to consider that there's always going to be the downside. There's always going to be those thorns that come with every rose. And while it's amazing to be able to work from home, you know, are you one that can really just sit there and be on Zoom <laughs> all day, every day in meetings and be proactive about your communication and and what it's really like to be isolated at home versus being in the office where you have friends and coworkers around you. It's definitely a very different piece, you know, when you're having that kind of flexibility. Yeah, it's, that is so true. There's a chapter in that section in my book that is called Decide if a home office would be your heaven or hell. <laughs> and and it, it's, as you say, it's not always all it's cracked up to be for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have a friend, she's like, it must be so great to be able to work from home where, you know, you could throw a load of laundry in. I'm like, dude, like I, I can barely make it to the restroom, let alone throw a load of laundry in. I'm, I might be home, but I'm not like home. I'm working, you know, and when sometimes when you're telecommuting and it's just as easy as jumping on another link into a meeting versus, you know, you have that time to walk down the hall to the next meeting room or the next office for the next meeting you lose some of that time and you forget like, oh my gosh, I haven't eaten today because I've just been in back-to-back -back meetings and I've been sitting in the same chair for eight mm -hmm. hours straight. So, you know, it is a very different way of working. Right. Now for people who are kind of thinking, 
one of these options might be for me. And maybe they've proposed this to their boss and maybe it's not an option and they might be looking at moving elsewhere. What other kind of companies should they be looking at? What tends to be more open to this type of, of working environment, working arrangement? Well, if you do the professional pitch for flexibility, like I described, you're going to get the flexibility that you want 80% of the time. Oh, that's amazing. But there's still that 20%. And so you, you may be one of the people that you know, runs up against a brick wall. And at that point, you have to resist the idea that you have to leave the workforce and think more that you may have to leave your employer and find a more flexible employer. And the best strategy right off the bat when you're in that situation, and also for women who are at home and have been home for a while, want to reenter and are afraid of getting back into the corporate grind, in both of those flexible job search situations, the best strategy is to head towards smaller companies. And what I mean by that is not like, you know, little mom and pop shops or startups that only have five people in the garage. I mean, those would probably be very flexible, but <laughs> I'm just talking about companies that are down a tier or two from the big multinational giants, household names because it's very difficult to institutionalize flexibility across a huge global workforce. And companies that are smaller can be more nimble, their management teams can be more visible, their management teams can kind of set the example for flexibility at the top. And so you really wanna you know, do research and networking you know, within your commutable distance for companies that you know, may not have ever been on your radar before, but in fact, would have, you know, great clients and great people who used to be at the big corporations and, added, you know, they wanted to get out of sort of big corporate rat race. The other thing I should say, though, is that there are big companies that are doing a very good job of creating more flexible cultures to the to mind right off the bat would be PricewaterhouseCoopers. Ernst and Young. And if you look at the working mother, 100 best companies to work for, you're going to see a lot of company names on, the, on there. They're probably not 100% committed to flexible work culture, but their flexibility does exist in some ways at those companies. They're trying to figure it out. Um, another surprising thing is the major law firms that forced women out in droves as the partner track was so intense, you know, these are these very companies are now, you know, doing it about fit and, and figuring out how to offer women paths and create more flexibility. Um, working Mother also has a list of the, you know, best law firms. So, you know, at the law companies that are more innovative, uh, looking at naturalists, looking at um, lists in your state or your region. Generally speaking, you're going to have more luck with smaller companies. So flexibility goes up 
as company size goes. I think that that's a really good advice and really good word of thumb. And we will link to all of those resources that you were mentioning in our show notes page. So the Working Mother, 100 Best Workplaces. And I think too, even just doing some Google searches too, to figure out what maybe, you know, regional companies or state companies I know that there's always those best companies to work for lists out there. So I think that that's important. Now, one of the things that you said, though, was networking. And I feel like that that is such an important piece to finding that flexible position because, I mean, obviously, it's very generous of a company and and it's very attractive to have that kind of a position. So I can imagine that it's going to be more competitive for some more of those flexible positions that are out there. And so networking, I can see being a huge advantage to women that are trying to find these positions and, and get the positions. So talk to us a little bit about networking and, and why that's so important. Well, networking is the most important job search tool, whether you're looking for a flexible job or a traditional job. But networking is particularly important when looking for a flexible job because flexible jobs are not as widely advertised. Generally speaking, you don't want to be looking for a job on the internet under any circumstances because the internet, uh, you know, every job listing gets huge numbers of responses and the, and the internet job boards tend to be big black hole. From a flexible work perspective, you know, there are some exceptions I really highly recommend jobs because they are committed to, you know, very high quality listings and they make sure that they're up to date and all jobs are flexible. But generally speaking, you have to search around for flexible job networking because in many cases, the jobs don't really exist. You know, as you're networking and you're telling your connections about the kind of work that you want to do and you want to work in a flexible way. Often what happens is that a manager could be thinking, gee, oh, this person would be great on a freelance basis for these five projects that we can't get to. Or, oh, if we really can't afford another full-time person, but, you know, maybe we could use this person's skills at in a part-time role. So a lot of things happen while you're networking where there doesn't have to be, you know, a very specific role. Flexible roles are just, you know, are fluid and they, and they occur as business needs ebb and flow. So you're out there talking to people, you're hearing about, you know, changes that are happening, you know, it could be as granular as, you know, going out on maternity leave or disability leave for an extended period, or it could be just that they have a new initiative and they have to staff it in a, in a more as-needed way as opposed to hiring someone that may not be busy for an entire... That's so good. And I, I as you were talking, my mind, I was just thinking and was like, yeah, you know, I mean, so many times I have referred someone to someone who was looking for some help or just even had some questions about something that has led to someone having a job just by making an introduction for someone. And even, you know, in my own situation, it was literally an old colleague who reached out over a Facebook message to say, hey, I'm trying to fill this position. 
at this company. Do you know anyone who would be interested? And I was like, well, yeah, me, but it would have to be this, this, and this. And I was able to kind of negotiate that in the hiring process. But I think sometimes, you know, we forget about those things and we start to think immediately about, oh, it'd be great if, and then all of a sudden those become our boundaries or our hard, fast rules of what we're looking for. And if something doesn't fit exactly that, then we move on when really we forget, like you never know how that opportunity is going to unfold. And so it's best just to keep networking, keep your eyes open, your options open and see what might unfold in front of you. Right. Absolutely. Fantastic. So Catherine, one last question I have for you. All of this stuff is so amazing. If anyone's been listening to this and they're thinking, I have been praying for some flexibility. I've been praying for another option. And I never even gave this a thought that I could possibly ask for some more flexibility in my current job or look for something that's a little bit different. I know in our Facebook group, we've had a few women who have been on maternity leave and have been able to negotiate coming back part-time or coming back four days a week, doing four tens, all kinds of different things. And, and like you mentioned early on, there's a lot of different ways that you can have flexible work. But if someone's listening to this and they're thinking, I really need this for my life. I really want to try to make a go of this. What would be that first piece of advice that you would give them to do? I think that you have to start thinking more in terms of your areas of expertise as opposed to the job titles that you think you want or that you're qualified for. Because flexible work is often filling a specific, requires a very specific talent. You know, when you're hired into a full-time marketing manager position, you have a laundry list of responsibilities and, you know, you kind of morph into somebody else's role a little bit and it's different. If you're going to be hired into a part-time role or a freelance or you're looking for consulting assignments, often you need to show that you have very specific and strong expertise in a certain area because flexibility is often asked for specialists as opposed to generalists that mm. you know the marketing manager role would be. Mm, that's good. That's a good tip. That's very, very good. Well, I'm super excited to be reading your book, Ambition Redefined. Now, where can people get their hands on your new book? Well, it's on Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and at your local bookstore. Fantastic. And we will link to everything, Catherine, in our show notes page. I highly encourage you go over to her website and you just look around because she's got so many great tools and resources out there. And Catherine, just thank you so much for being such a supporter for working women for working moms and for being here on the show today to be able to provide such great wisdom for our audience. Oh, thanks, Jenny. It was a pleasure to be here with you. There you go. Now, I know we had a little bit of internet issues at a couple points during that interview, but hopefully you were able to take away all of that great stuff. And I highly encourage that you go and you get Catherine's book, Ambition Redefined. And we'll make sure we link to that in our show notes. If you go to yourliferocks.com, you'll find all of the information linking to Catherine and the tips that she shared right there. 
I'll also be sharing and talking about it this week inside of our Facebook community. So if you download the Your Life Rocks app, you just click on the community button. It will take you right there. You can find us in Facebook. Also, reach out to me on Instagram. I would love to see who is listening to the show. I'd love to see your face and get to know a little bit more about you. So pop on over there and say hello. And of course, if you are getting value from these podcasts, it would mean the world to me if you would share it with a friend. Even if you leave a review for either the app or the podcast, it's a way of sharing because it helps other people find all about Your Life Rocks and helps give them hope that balance can be possible for them too. So until next week, keep building a life that rocks. Bye. Bye.